because of you and me. Jesus died because of my sin. And yet in His love for me, He died for me anyways. And the great truth that we've sung about this morning is He didn't stay dead. He was buried, rose again that third day according to the Scripture as was prophesied, as was fulfilled. And Jesus is coming again. And He desires today that we would know His presence. He desires today that we would commit our lives to Him, that we would surrender our lives to Him, that we would know Christ in fullness, that we would walk um, for Him, through Him, to Him, that our life would be to magnify the precious name of Jesus. Take your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. You've probably got a little wear and tear in your Bible in 1 Corinthians 6. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 1 for a little while until the Lord tells me not to. We've been dealing with the presence of God and the fact that we desperately need it. I'm afraid that we still don't quite understand that we need that so much. But when we talk as well about the presence of God, what we see in, and accompanied with the presence of God is God's power. Where God is, His power is. Where God's Word is preached, there His power is. Where God is at work, there He is, because we serve an all-powerful God. But I want you to know today, and what we're going to be focusing on is this, and that is the cross. The preaching of the cross, that is the power of God. What we need today is the cross. We do not need self-help. We do not need what man might say, what man might think. We do not need even more programs and things. We need the cross. The cross will solve the problems of the entire world, from internal and outward. Because if we understand the cross and surrender to the cross and the way of the cross and we go the way of the cross and we cling to that cross, we will find strength, we will find power, we will find peace, we will find joy, we will find that it's much easier to walk with the Lord at the foot of the cross. We will find that it is much easier to have the presence of God in our life when we do so at the cross and through the cross, by the cross. We're going to find the multitude and plethora of things that Christ has done for us at that cross. That cross still means something. That cross is no longer, uh, uh, no longer holding the body of the Lord. He's, he's risen and reigning. Praise God for that. But that cross did not become, once He got down out of it, just a, a decoration for us to wear. Nor did it become something for Hobby Lobby just to sell, for us to throw up on our wall and look all pretty and nice, right? You know what I'm talking about. Half of you got three, four crosses hanging up in your house. We do, right? We're just as guilty. It's not a decoration. The cross is a means of death. It was a means of the death of our Savior to give us life. And by the way, it's still that cross that is a means of death for you and I that we are to be crucified to the world and the world to us, that we would live to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. This is going to be our focal point. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I want to read that one more time. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to You this morning. We want to thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the song sung. Thank You for the worship that has been lifted. God, I pray that You would be pleased with it. You'd be glorified by it. You would be honored by it. Lord, I pray that now that You would guard and protect my heart and my mind that You would bring things to mind and memory, that it would be You who preaches this message. God, this is Your Word. It's Your people. God, I pray that You would do a work that only You can do. God, I can't produce anything. I've got no fruit to give. I've got nothing I can offer to You. God, I pray that You just use me today as a tool and a vessel. I'd be a body and a trumpet for You. God, that You'd speak to Your people today through Your Word and through Your Spirit. God, I pray that You would meet every heart here today. God, if there's one who needs to be uh, brought to that cross for the very first time to be saved, God, I pray that You would do so. 
Show them the beautiful terror of that cross, God, that they might be born again. God, I pray that once more as well, though, for those who of us who have been saved for quite some time, that you would show us that beauty and that terror of that cross once more so that we would live by it, that we would see all that you've done for us here. God, that today that we might see your power displayed through the cross of Christ. We thank you for this time. Be with us now. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with unity. Uh, fill us with uh, this power of the cross in your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. The cross is the eternal theme of the Scripture. All of human history, the focal point is the cross. And all of life itself hinges upon the cross. And it hinges upon what you do with that cross and what has been done for you on that cross. It will depend on whether or not you are lost or saved, whether you will go to hell or go to heaven. And it will depend whether you live out of victory in Christ or whether you continue to relentlessly search in your flesh to find victory over things that has already been given victory over at the cross. The cross means all to us. There's a reason why churches often have crosses on the steeples, and there's a reason why steeples point up, not down, not south, east, and west. They go upward because the cross leads us upward. The cross is the beacon of light that points us to the Lord, that draws us in, that shows us the way. There's a reason why we started putting that stupid projector up. You know why? Because you know what's behind me is a cross. You know what we need more of? We need cross. Why? Because we need to be reminded not of, oh, that's a pretty cross. When we see a cross, the first thought that should come to our mind should not be, well, that's a pretty one. It should be about the old rugged cross. It should be about the death of our Savior. It should be even about the wretchedness of our sin and the holiness of God. And that at that cross, God's justice and mercy meet so that His grace and mercy can flow to you and I. J.C. Ryle says, take away the cross of Christ and the Bible is a dark book. And to that I would agree. The, the cross though, in its darkness there on Golgotha, on Calvary's hill, though in that darkness as our Savior is dying, yet the light of the Lord is there. Calling all who would come to come. Bidding them come that there is a way and the only way to God is through the way of the cross. There is no other way. There in the darkness of Calvary's hill, God is showing His justice, showing His mercy there at the cross of Jesus. And as Tozer put it, the cross is the lightning rod of grace that short-circuits God's wrath to Christ so that only the light of His love remains for believers. We still need the cross, believers. The message of the cross does not cease to be necessary the moment you are saved. Rather, it becomes all the more necessary to remind you of what you've been saved from, what it, what it cost for your salvation and that you didn't have to pay it, and as well, it will be your power throughout all of your Christian living. It will be found there at the cross. All that we are, and all that we need is found at the cross of Christ. Jesus' finished work is sufficient for all needs, for all people, and for all time, but... It must be received, and it can be received freely by grace through faith, and it will not be received any other way. And sadly, there will not be all people who will accept this. There are those in this room today who possibly have not even accepted this. There are those who might have accepted it for their salvation, but have not accepted it for their sanctification, and that's just as wicked. We've got to understand this, that we need the cross for everything. If you're struggling today, if you're hurting today, if you're on a mountaintop today, regardless of where you are in your Christian walk today, regardless of where you are today, lost or saved, 
The answer is found at the cross. And I'm thankful today that when the Lord looks at my life, He sees what has been done by Jesus at the cross. He no longer sees my sin. He no longer sees the curse. He no longer sees who I used to be. He sees the finished work of Jesus. And dear lost soul, today your only hope is to look at what God looks to. God looks to the cross for the answer to redeem you. For you, dear believer, today, stop looking at everything else to try to help you in your Christian walk and look to what God looks to for your power. And that is the cross. The cross is the power of God for salvation. That's what we're going to deal with today. The cross is the power of God for salvation. First of all, we have to look at the message of the cross. We have to understand what it's saying. It's not just this beautiful figurine. It's not just an old rugged cross. We have to understand the purpose and the point. Really here, we see in verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. I want you to know this is not just a message. It's not just a lesson. It is the preaching. It is the proclamation of the cross. And we need the proclamation of the cross. You need the proclaiming of the cross to be saved, but you need the proclaiming of the cross in your sanctification. You need the proclaiming of the cross to remind you of the one day where you will enter glory, not by any works that you've done, but by the work that has already been done by Christ. It is the cross that is the power source for all of life. It is necessary for the start and to the finish and everything else in between. But it is the preaching of the cross. That faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, that the cross must be preached. By God's grace, I don't want to ever preach anything outside of Christ and Christ crucified. By God's grace, I don't want ever just to preach some sort of self-help philosophy or three easy steps to be a better uh, husband or a better wife. Those sound nice because there's someone out there who just said, well, I wish he'd preach it so my husband would be a better husband. And there's a husband out there who just said, I wish he'd preach that so my wife would be a better wife. But I want you to know, here's your answer, how to be a better husband and a better wife, how to be a better father, a better mother, how to be a better church member, how to be a better Christian, how to be a better witnesser. You ready? It's the cross. It's not going to be found in anything else. The message, though, we need to understand this. First of all, he says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, it's foolishness. Here, in the verbal tense of perish, it is that of perishing. It means that they're perishing right now, and they're going to continue to perish forever and forever. God does not believe in annihilationism, nor does He believe in purgatory. You will perish, and when you think you've perished, you'll keep on perishing. There's a reason why we sing, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. We ought to understand that every lost soul is perishing. It means to to be in ruin, to be headed toward death and destruction on the way to ruin, on the road to ruin. It is the very broad way that many are going, but it's a way that leads to death and destruction. Oh, that we might care about a lost soul like Jesus did. Oh, that we might care for our lost friends and family like Jesus did to know that they are on the way to ruin, to destruction without Christ. To utterly perish. But it is that of they keep on perishing. Both now they're perishing. Their body's not getting any better. Neither is their soul. And one day body and soul will be cast into a lake of fire where it will not be quenched and the worm will not die. The body will never be burned up to this full complete. So, well, now their sins are atoned for. Now they've got another chance. No, my friend, hell is forever, just as heaven is. If we could understand the beauty and the glory of the eternal state with God, 
But we could also understand the horror of being eternally damned to hell. And we don't like that language, but I want you to know the message of the cross preaches that there is a hell to pay, a price to pay. We've got to understand that there are souls at stake. And that God loved that soul so much that His own Son was put to death for crimes that those souls committed. The cross shows that there are those who are perishing, but it also shows that they don't have to stay that way. But those that are perishing, these are those who will not believe, will not repent. They are faithless. This is the cause, but it is also the way of their perishing. It is their life. It is their mentality. It is their response. It all that they are rejects God because they believe that the cross is foolish, but rather the cross shows them their own foolishness. And mankind does not like to see that we are foolish, that we are but feeble, that we are weak, and that we are unable to save ourselves. We want to be the sovereign Lord of our own life. We don't want to have a sovereign Lord that we answer to. But nevertheless, whether you accept or reject today, you will stand before this God. And the answer to your eternal fate will be, what have you done with the cross? Did you surrender to the power of God that was preached on that day through the message of the cross? Have you surrendered to such? Unbelief is ultimately man's ruin. The foolish, foolish faithlessness is what this is. You see, the cross makes no sense to the blinded mind of the perishing. They see the cross and they go, well, this is pointless. Why would He die? If He was really God, He would have lived. He would have just shown us all these good things. People love, lost people love the story of Jesus. There's plenty of lost people who love Jesus. They love the part where He heals people, where He says, come to the little, ch- little children, come, and He feeds people, and he, and he does all these wonderful works where He's so nice and meek and mild, but once you start crossing over the line and saying, well, you know, He made a whip and drove them out of the, the temple and said, uh, get out, this is my Father's house, it was to be a house of prayer. Uh, how about this? They don't even like the cross. Why? Because it's an offense to them. It's offensive. And it should be. The cross should offend you. Because there, your sin was laid upon Jesus. There, the filthiness of all that you are was placed upon the holiness of all that He is. It is offensive. It's an offensive message. But the message of the cross is necessary because without that offense, there cannot be a reconciling unto God because it is the cross that does such. It is the cross that shows us our sin, but it is the cross that shows us the Savior. It is the cross that is the focal point that brings the sinner to the Savior. Robertson once wrote, the message of the cross is foolishness to the wonder-seeking Jew and to the wisdom-seeking Greek. Here in this passage in verse 19 down through 27, the Bible tells us this, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? The greatest thing that can ever happen to you, dear believer, is that you would realize how truly dumb you actually are. (laughs) That you would realize how little we actually know. Some of the most Gifted, talented, wealthy, giving, loving, serving people are their biggest problem because they think they know what they really don't know. The cross strips us of all talent. 
The cross strips us of all ability. The cross strips us of anything that we think that we can produce because there we find that our, our works are the foolishness. Our works are nothing but folly. He continues and he says in verse 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And I would tell you today who is here, say, you know, I like the singing. I like the fellowship of church. I'm just not big on preaching. I would tell you, you better get right with the Lord. Not because I'm anything special. I'm nothing. But a saved soul that don't like preaching don't like the Christ. You've got to understand that it's the foolishness of preaching that God has used to show this lost world their need of the cross, their need of the Savior, but it's the foolishness of preaching that continues to take that wayward believer or that hardened believer back to Calvary. What we need every day is to go back to that cross more than anything. We need the preaching of the cross. He says, please God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It would please God more than anything in the world today for those of you in this place who do not know Christ for you to come to Him. And He has made a way for you to come to Him. And it's not through your works, but it's through His. And it's at the cross. Come to Jesus. Repent of your sins. Turn from those sins. Ask forgiveness of those sins. And put your trust in the finished work of Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus will save you. You can have forgiveness. You can have restoration. You can have an eternal home with Him. He then says, for the Jews require a sign, right? They're the wonder-seeking ones. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. They're the wisdom-seeking ones. One is looking for an outward sign, an outward manifestation. The other one is looking for some sort of intellect and academia. And I want you to know there's plenty of people who have a mind that knows all about God, but has a heart that's empty and they will die and go to hell. And there are plenty of people who seek for wonder and signs and do many great works with their hands. And Jesus will tell them to depart from me for I never knew you. Somewhere along the line, we've started trusting in church membership, church baptisms. We've started trusting in the fact, well, you know, I've always known Him. No, you ain't. There must be a time and a place where you are met with the reality of the cross and that you come by repentance and faith, for there is no other way. What we have to see here and understand as we look at this is that the Jews were seeking for the sign, the Greeks were seeking after wisdom, and God said, I'll fool you both. Here's the cross that makes no sense to you. But it's the only way. He says, For we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Let me ask you, is God foolish? No, He ain't got an ounce of foolishness in Him. He's all wise, all knowing, and in His plan, He planned for the cross. And we'll see that in just a moment. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Why? Because the flesh will keep you from the cross. The flesh will tell you that the cross is not necessary as long as you're a church member. The flesh will tell you that your good works are going to be righteous enough before God as long as you sprinkle in some Jesus or some church. It will not do, my friend. It will not cut the mustard. He says, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. God's way is the way of the cross. 
The message of the cross is the place where God's grace is dispensed and His glory displayed. We need the cross, dear friend. You see, the perishing mind believes, either like the Jew or the Greek, that the cross is either foolish, it's folly, or that it's fiction, that it's altogether just some sort of made-up story. I want you to know the cross is very real. And the reality of the cross will bring you to a crossroads where you must decide that you will either believe in what has been done and accomplished for you upon that cross by the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again, or you will reject. Do not think that some little church lady who... Uh, or, or church man who's been in church all their life does not need to come to the cross. They must come to the cross because if they go some other way, they're a robber, a thief, and they will not enter in the way of the cross. It makes no sense in our human minds that the death of another brings life to those who would come. And the way in which they receive that life is not by anything that they do, but rather by trusting in what has been done. And I would tell you that that is not just for your salvation, but that is for all things. Come back next week. You'll get that then. Here we see though that the message of the cross, though, while it's foolishness to those who are perishing, it's the power of God to those of us who are saved. But I'm afraid that there are many in church today who have been in church so long that they have forgotten the power of God. They have forgotten the terror of the cross. They've forgotten that it was their sins. They've forgotten that there was a point in time when they were lost. They've forgotten that it was our sins that held Him there and His great love for us that kept Him there to die for crimes of which He did not commit, to, to die for your sins, to literally become your sin, to be clothed in your sins so that you might be clothed in His righteousness. Some of us need to be refreshed back to that day that we were born again. Back to that moment where the cross met us and saved us. Some of us need to go back to that place and remember. And remember what Jesus has done for you. Whatever happened to being excited or tearful or mournful or overjoyed or overwhelmed by the cross of Jesus. Perhaps it is because we see crosses everywhere in our homes and all of them say, too blessed to be stressed. What we need when we see those crosses is to be reminded of what Jesus did. Not just that, it, oh, there's a pretty cross. That sure is a pretty cross. We need to be reminded of that absolute horrific day where the blood of Christ flowed from it. There's nothing that can save you outside of it. And to lose this joy, what has happened to us, church? where the preaching of the cross no longer has its power. The, the preaching of the cross still does because that's what God has chosen to use. But sadly, there are many church people who no longer respond to the cross. To not respond to the cross, dear friend, is to reject the cross. There is no middle ground. There are many people today who are trusting in many things, but they are not trusting in Calvary. And you must trust in the cross to be saved. You must trust in the cross to live. You must trust in the cross to die. To be saved. It means to be rescued from peril, from death, from destruction, to be given life, to be made whole. This is a three-part, but yet all has taken place for us at the cross. You have been justified by the work of Christ on the cross. What does it mean to be justified? It means 
uh, to be uh, literally declared righteous. That means at the cross, He gets our unrighteousness and we get His righteousness. The very moment we trust in Him, we are justified in the sight of God. It is saved in the past with a now eternal position being in Him. I am justified by God. There's nothing you can do to stop it. There's nothing I can do to stop it. There's nothing anyone or anything anywhere, invisible or visible, that can do anything to stop it. I am in Him. Praise God, I'm justified by His blood and by nothing else. But as well at the cross, we find that that is our sanctification. That is where we are, if you will, being saved now from the power of sin. Right? Here, your justification is you're being saved. You've been saved from the penalty of sin. But your sanctification is that now we are being saved from the power of sin. This is the current work of the cross in our life now. But then there's a third part of your salvation, and that is to be glorified. This is to come. This is the future. But yet, we're already seated in heavenly places. This has already been accomplished. It's as if you're glorified now in the sight of God. He's just waiting to bring you up here. That's it. It is as if you're already there. Now, look at this. To be glorified means to be saved fully and finally from the presence of sin. There is coming a day, dear believer, where that curse will be no more, where you would put off this corruption and put on incorruption, where this mortal will put on immortality. That will be a glorious day. Man has no words, no wisdom, no wealth, no works to save himself. Left by himself, man will perish. But God has made a way. Ephesians tells us this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, were, and He loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, your Satan hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're already there. I'm already seated up there. I'm here. I'm there. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That cross is not just a place to show you the horrors of sin, but it's a place to show you God's graciousness. That there is a way to be saved from those sins. And it's by nothing you've done. It's not by who you are. It's nothing you could ever accomplish or muster up. And it's not by turning over a new leaf. It is by the finished work of Jesus. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That's the means. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast, because we would and we do. Ask someone in Carroll County, are you a Christian? Yes. Why are you a Christian? Well, I go to church at so-and-so. Who's the pastor? Well, uh, you know, we laugh, but how many of us have heard that? How many of us have accepted that from a conversation? So, well, it's good to meet you, brother. Ain't no brother if ain't been born again. Ain't no brother if they ain't been to the cross. Dear friend, we need to go back to the simplicity of the power of the cross. Furthermore, I want to give you what the Bible talks about the message of the cross. Luke 23. <coughs> Y'all still with me? All right. Luke 23. The Bible gives us the perfect illustration while Jesus is dying on the cross for your sins and mine, while He's paying the price that I should have paid but could not pay that He pays in my stead. We find two men being crucified, one on either side of Him. 
One goes the way of the cross, the other one does not. And we're going to see that the only way, it's not through church membership, it's not through baptism, it's not through any sort of gifts or outward works, but rather it's through faith and what is being accomplished right there. Oh, could you imagine to be the one saved while you're dying on a cross too? To know that this man next to me is dying the same death I'm dying, but he didn't deserve it and I did. Look at this. Verse 35 tells us, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers mocked. What do we have? The foolishness and the stumbling block of the Jews and the Greeks right here at the cross. It's always been that way. Paul didn't make that stuff up. He says this, And saying, If thou be king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed at him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Mocking as he's dying with his last breaths, he chooses to mock his Savior. Verse 40, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Meaning this, you're going to not fear the Lord when you're about to meet Him? They're about to die. And one chooses to mock the one that's dying for Him. Here's what happens. This one says, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, for the wages of sin is death. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today, today, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That moment that that male factor, that person who died on that cross that day next to Jesus, the moment he took his last breath, he went to be with the Lord. He didn't have to go get in a dunk tank. He didn't have to join a church, walk an aisle. He was saved how? The way of the cross. Two men, one cross right there in between them, and their eternity was sealed with what they did with it. And today, that same truth remains. The message of the cross is the power of God to be saved. Octavius Winslow writes this, and I want you to listen to his words. The cross of Jesus displays the most awful exhibition of God's hatred of sin and at the same time the most august manifestation of His readiness to pardon it. Pardon, full and free, is written out in every drop of blood that is seen. It's proclaimed in every groan that is heard and shines in the very prodigy of mercy that closes the solemn scene upon the cross. O blessed door of return, open and never shut to the wanderer from God. How glorious! How free! How accessible! Here the sinful, the vile, the guilty, the unworthy, the poor, the penniless may come. Here too the weary spirit may bring its burden, the broken spirit its sorrow, the guilty spirit its sin, the backsliding spirit its wandering. All are welcome here. Amen. The cross is all that we need. It is the power to save because without the cross, there is no power to be saved or ability to be saved. It is through the cross. Secondly, we need to see the means of the cross. This was not God's backup plan. 
This was not God's plan B, C, D, E, F, G. This was the plan of God. The cross is the plan of God which the Lord has given to save souls. God has chosen the cross as His powerful means of salvation, yet it is a foolish means in the eyes of the Jew and the Greek. But to those of us who are saved, no, we see not foolishness, but we see that is power that God chose that. That God dispensed His grace and displayed His glory there at that cross. I'm going to read a bunch of Scripture here in just a moment. Y'all can follow along if you want to. I'm going to, I'm going to roll, alright? Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23 tells us this. This is a prophecy. They're not even crucifying people yet, but listen to what the Lord puts here in the Word to show us the death of which Jesus will face. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged on a tree is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord that God giveth thee. Well, how about this? Right, We see this. Uh, the, the book of uh, Galatians reminds us of this truth that reiterates what was written there in Deuteronomy. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being, a cur- uh, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. How about he was the verse before? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. With his stripes we are healed. Brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Cut off from the land of the living. The way of the cross. And this is long before the cross. Why? Because this is God's plan. How about, how about the Gospel of John? John chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto Me. Verse 33, This He said, signifying what death He should die. You want more proof that this is the plan of God? How about the first sermon preached on the day of Pentecost? Acts chapter 2, verse number 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosened the pains of death, because it was not possible that it should be holden of it. God chose the way of the cross to demonstrate His grace and glory so that all might freely come, but they may only come by that way. There is no other way to Him outside of that bloody, rugged cross. The cross of Christ is the only way to fulfill the promise of God, which is the Word of God and the provision of God, which is the work of God. It is seen here 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. But God hath chosen, God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That's the cross. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The cross and base things of the world and things which are despised. People despise the cross. You and I can only imagine this. That today is if instead of hanging up crosses or wearing a cross necklace, you wore a little emblem that represented an electric chair or a firing squad, or a noose. We wouldn't do it. Why? Because those things are despised. It's shameful. And that was the cross. It was a means of death for the worst of the worst. The guilty of the guilty. 
And that's what Jesus did. Humbled Himself to die a death on that cross to have His body broken and His blood shed for you. And as today, here in just a few moments, we're going to get to the Lord's table. And I want you to know this. The cross is the way. And the elements are pointing us to what Jesus has done on that cross. And that it bids you come, not run away, but come. For your salvation, for your sanctification, for your glorification, for all of life, come to the cross. We see not only that the cross is the plan of God, but the cross is the power of God. Here in verse 18, it is the power of God. The cross is where God's plan and power are displayed and the person and work of Jesus Christ. The word there for power is dunamis. It is to be able uh, or to power something to accomplish a work. Specifically, it is the intrinsic power of ability. It is divine energy, as Paul uses it, to supernaturally do what cannot be done naturally. So, let me tell you how much power you've got. None. None. You have no power at all. We are weak and beggarly and dust and wretched dust at best. And yet God and His power and His plan and His might and His infinite mercy has made a way through the blood of the cross to reconcile you and to redeem you to make a way when you could not get to Him. Some people would think that you know, we're on this big staircase and some of us can make it a few stairs to get to God by our own strength. We can just reach on up there and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. None of us are making it a step up. It's the power of God that brings us to repentance and faith at the cross. It's the power of God that sanctifies us. It's the power of God at the cross that will lead us home to Him. I've heard many who have said that the word dunamis where we get dynamite from. And yes, to a degree in the English, that's where it comes from. But it is a poor illustration at best. Here's why. Dynamite is used to blow stuff up. It blows it apart. The cross don't blow it apart. The cross brings it back together. The cross reconciles dynamite. Now it's in a million pieces. Rather, the cross takes you and all your sin in a million pieces, and brings you back together to make you a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's the power of God, to do what only God can do. God's plan and power to save sinners is found in the cross. The cross is God's mean of salvation for sinners. No other way. And lastly, this. I want us to see the motivation of the cross. The motivation, first of all, was for your good because you couldn't save yourself, could you? Neither could I. We are but benefactors of His grace and mercy. We are but recipients of His divine power and mercy at the cross. We are just recipients of all that He's done. Not just for our salvation, but in every other part of our life. All of it is just fruit of His work, His person, His Word at the cross. We are benefactors. Blessed by God. By His body and blood on that cruel cross. Matthew Henry writes, 
Come and see the victories of the cross. Christ's wounds are thy healings. His agonies, thy repose. His conflicts, thy conquests. His groans, thy songs. His pains, thine ease. His shame, thy glory. His death, thy life. His sufferings, thy salvation. But secondly, the cross is not just for the good of His people, but it is for the glory of His person. Nothing is of more benefit to you, lost or saved, than the cross. But nothing is more glorifying than that cross. The glory of God is displayed and directed at that cross. Look in this same passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29. Ultimately, the purpose of the preaching, the power of the cross, the power of God and salvation is to save sinners. It's for their good, but it is for the glory of God. Look at this. That no flesh should glory in His presence. Why? Because we can't. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according to... As it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. We have nothing to cling to except for the cross. We have nothing to boast in except for the cross. I have no work, no earthly good that I've ever done. The only thing that I've got to muster up for all of my life is by looking at the cross. By looking at what God looks at. That's the cross. That's the power of God. The cross of Jesus. It is for your good and His glory that you would come to the cross today. Dear lost sinner, it is for your good that you would humble yourself and come to the cross today and be born again. But it is also going to glorify the Lord. And in Him being glorified, He will certainly bless you as His new child and give you power from that cross, give you strength from that cross, give you sanctification from that cross, give you righteousness from that cross, give you redemption from that cross. All of God's gifts are found at the cross. But as well, it would be for your good and for His glory, dear church person, dear saved friend, if you would return back to the cross, if you would find your place once more at the feet of the cross, and to see that blood afresh and anew, to see that ruggedness afresh and anew, to see and to hear uh, the suffering Savior and His groans and His cries as He is facing the death penalty that you deserved. May it refresh your heart that God has made a way for you and has kept you through the way of the cross. Today as we bring this to a close, and. This invitation is going to serve a couple purposes. One, if you need to, need to be born again, come. Let me take the Bible and show you Christ. Come the way of the cross. Trust Jesus, and He will save you to the uttermost. But as well, it serves as another purpose for you, dear believers. We're about to partake of the Lord's Supper. Not for you to run and hide and to say, oh, I'm unworthy of it. So am I. But Christ has made a way through the blood of His cross, through His body being broken, His blood being shed, so that now you may come to His table and freely eat and partake of His grace that He has given to you. But this will serve as a time to prepare your heart for this.
to see the seriousness of the cross once more. Let me ask you today, simple, are you perishing or are you saved? Are you headed to ruin or are you headed to see your Redeemer? See, the answer for both and the power for both is the cross. Let me ask you, have you experienced the power of God at the cross? Maybe you've been saved and you remember that day. Maybe you meditate on that a little bit longer in this moment to remember what the cross has done to save your soul. That you might glorify God. Let me ask you today, will you receive freely by faith the power of God at the cross? Let's all stand this morning. If you have a need, would you come? Take this time, this opportunity to either come back to that cross to be saved or come back to this cross to be restored and renewed today. Whatever your need might be today, dear sinner, dear saved, the answer is found at the cross. Would you come today? your heart prepared today? Have you been to that cross? Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time. We thank You for Your cross, which Your Son Jesus bled and died for us so that we might be saved. So that we might receive the power to be saved. So that we might receive the power to live the Christian life. Help us, O God, today to return back to the cross. Help us now as we prepare our hearts for this table, for Your Lord's table, God, that we would have our hearts prepared to worship You, to praise You, and that this would be a time of fellowship around the cross. Fellowship through Your sacrifice for us. Prepare our hearts now, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.